The text for the sermon this afternoon will be from Ephesians, Ephesians 4, verses 22 through 24. We will read the text first, and then we'll turn to Colossians 3. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Let's turn now to Colossians chapter 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, Submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, 
and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Jesus. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Thus far we read God's holy and inerrant word. May God bless the reading of the Holy Scriptures unto our hearts. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a bond or a thread that unites together the church Catholic of Jesus Christ. There is something that all of the members of the Catholic Church of Jesus Christ have in common one with another. And we know from the scriptures that it is not the case that we have in common with all the members of the Church Catholic heritage, physical heritage, or lineage. It's not the case that we share with all the members of the Church Catholic the same language. It's not the case that we're all of the same nationality. It's not the case that we have the same cultural norms and that we hold to the same cultural traditions. But instead, that which unifies the Catholic Church of Jesus Christ, that which transcends language barriers, that which transcends nations, is the holiness of the Church of Jesus Christ. Wherever the Church of Jesus Christ is found, there is the Holy Spirit at work sanctifying the members of God's church. His Spirit works in such a way that He quickens us, and then having quickened us, the Spirit does not depart from us, but the Spirit continues working in us, transforming us daily into the image of God's own Son. Until at last, the Catholic Church on this earth is brought up unto Jesus Christ Himself. It's with that in mind, then, that the Apostle Paul gives the instruction of this text. He's been writing to Gentiles, those who were not originally a part of the Old Testament Church. Previously, they were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. They were strangers 
from the covenant of God. But now the Apostle Paul, as he writes to these elect Gentiles, informs them that the middle wall of partition has been broken down and that now they are brought into the covenant and Catholic Church of God. But what now is Paul's instruction to them? Does Paul have to tell them that they have to learn a different language now that they've become a part of the church? Is the Apostle Paul going to tell them that they have to let go of their cultural traditions in order to become a part of the church? No. He tells them, put off the old man, put on the new man. In sum, let your mind be renewed. Verse 23 of Ephesians 4, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let's consider this text this afternoon under the theme, the Christian's daily renewal. First, we'll consider the negative aspect of it, putting off the old man. Second, the positive side, putting on the new man. Verse 24 And then third, we'll see that this new man is created by God. To whom is this text spoken when the Apostle Paul says that we are to put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts? We understand that the one... addressed by the Apostle Paul here are those who are called of God. It comes out in this chapter, already in the very first verse of Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says that he beseeches you to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. There's a calling that you have, and that Calling is not merely generally the work or vocation that God gives you on this earth, but specifically that calling is to be a Christian. You're called out of darkness and into God's marvelous light. Verse 4 continues with this idea of calling. There's one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. This is a word then to those who have been called out of darkness and into God's marvelous light, but who according to verse 12 are not yet perfected. It's a word to those who are still being edified or built up as part of the body of Jesus Christ. It's a word to those who are as spiritual children who are growing up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's a word, according to the 17th verse, to those who are learning not to walk as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind to have their understanding darkened. But rather... This is a word to a regenerated, 
born-again Christian. It's a word to those who are in the middle of their process of sanctification. It's a word unto those in whom the Holy Spirit has begun a good work, but the Holy Spirit has not yet completed that work. It's a word unto you and to me. This is not the word that the Apostle Paul here was using in the context of a missionary environment to those who had never heard the gospel before. This is not Paul calling those who had not yet come to repent and believe in Jesus Christ to have a living faith in Jesus. But instead, this is a word to those who already belong unto, who already have been called, and yet who recognize that there are indwelling sins and infirmities in their lives. Paul in these verses is teaching the child of God something important about what our salvation consists of. Our salvation not only consists of that immediate and initial work of regeneration. In that work of regeneration, the Holy Spirit powerfully and irresistibly enters into the heart of man and quickens that man. In that work of regeneration, it's not that we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. It's not that we assist the Holy Spirit. But we are recipients of that powerful and irresistible work of regeneration. But now the Apostle Paul is teaching the child of God that the Holy Spirit, after he has quickened that individual, does not leave that individual but the Holy Spirit continues to be at work. There's more to salvation than regeneration. Regeneration is the beginning, but now there's a calling that comes to the child of God. That calling is put off the old man of sin, put on the new man. The calling is to be holy as God is holy. Who is then this old man that we must put off? Sometimes when you hear the word, perhaps a young child imagines elderly individual with gray hair bent over on a cane, can hardly walk anymore. That's not the idea here of the old man. The old man is to be understood in a spiritual sense. The old man is found even in those who are very young. The old man is found in infants, even in unborn children. There is the old man. The old man refers to that which we receive from our parents by nature. The old man is the sinful inclinations of the flesh that we receive from our mother and from our father. The old man is indeed very old. 
He goes back many, many, many generations all the way to Adam when he fell in the Garden of Eden. This old man is unteachable. The old man cannot be reformed. The old man is not willing to receive instruction from the law of God. The old man, according to the canons of Dort, is described as refractory. Refractory. And the idea of that word is it's like a, a steel rod that refuses to bend. That's our old man, this nature that we have within us. We are by nature like that steel rod that refuses to bend and be in conformity to the holy law of God. All throughout history, there has been, as it were, this rod of rebellion, which has risen up against the rule of Jehovah God. The text describes this old man for us in the end of the 22nd verse, saying, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. The old man is corrupt. And that's what's so tricky about handling and working with this old man. So when you describe the old man in vivid terms as being this individual that's opposed to God, being this nature that hates God, well, then it seems that it's going to be fairly obvious to recognize when the old man is at work in one's life. And perhaps because it's easy to recognize, then it'll be easy to suppress the desires of the old man. But we mustn't, mustn't imagine that it's easy to diagnose or put off this old man of sin. The difficulty in working with this old man is he's deceitful, he's tricky. He's corrupt according to the deceitful lusts of the flesh. He takes that which is good and presents it as though it's evil. And he takes that which is evil and he presents it as though it were good. He's always lying unto us. The word that he gives unto us is that you will find satisfaction and fulfillment and happiness by giving in to the desires of the flesh. He sets forth lusts in front of us, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, the pride of life. And he tempts the Christian to think that if he acts upon those lusts, then he will be happy, then he will be free. He presents the law of God as being tyrannical, as being oppressive. But then outside of that law of God, there is Freedom according to this old man of sin. So we depend upon God to teach us even what is the old man and how corrupt is he. With regard to this old man, the calling is put him off. Put off. Concerning the former conversation, the old 
man. The word put off, the word familiar to us, it means to take off one's clothing. Now here, not physically, but with regard to that old man. If one is going to go out for a formal evening, before he goes out, he must put on proper attire for that evening. If this individual has been laboring throughout the day, before he goes out, first he has to take off his clothes, which have become soiled by laboring throughout the day, has to take those off before he can put on the formal clothing for the evening. Before he can put on the formal clothing, even the children understand, you first have to take off, you have to put off the clothing that has become dirty. It doesn't work simply to put the formal clothing for the evening on top of the soiled clothing beneath. It would be uncomfortable for the wearer, and it would be rather obvious to anyone who sees him that he has not taken off his soiled clothing first. So is then the calling for us spiritually. Before we can put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and holiness, first we must put off this old man of sin. And the idea here is that we have to lay aside that old man of sin. Even as one lays aside the garments, is intentional in removing the garments, so the Christian is called intentionally to lay aside that old man of sin. The way in which the Christian does this especially is by repentance. That's how we put off the old man of sin. By acknowledging that we have broken God's commandments, by being sorrowful for those transgressions, and by pleading out to God for the forgiveness of our sins. Putting off the old man includes a number of specific examples given to us in the context of Ephesians 4. According to the 25th verse, it means we put away lying. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth. According to the 28th verse, it means that we may not steal. Let him that stole, steal no more. According to the 29th verse, it means we have to stop corrupt communication from coming off our lips. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. This is the essential starting point for the Christian's renewal. The text begins here before proceeding unto speaking of that which we must put on. Before we look specifically at verse 25, which speaks of 
or at verse 24, which speaks of putting on the new man. Let's consider verse 23. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This really is the first part of the Christian's activity of putting on. Before we can put on that new man, there first must be renewal in the spirit of the mind. There's renewal that occurs. There's a spiritual transformation that happens in the Christian. The deceitful lusts of the flesh are to be replaced with righteousness and holiness. This renewal happens, according to the text, in our mind. The mind is the center of man's thinking and willing and decision-making. It's with the mind that man reasons. The mind is distinguished in the Holy Scriptures from the heart. In the heart, man feels, man experiences. But in the mind, man makes decisions and man contemplates. The calling that this text gives us here then is to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And the idea is that we are to have a new way of thinking, a new way of reasoning, a new way of making decisions upon this earth. There is a natural way of thinking and reasoning, and that natural way belongs to that old man of sin. And then there is a renewed way in which we can reason and think and will, and that renewed way belongs to the new man of Jesus Christ who is given unto us. So the calling then here as we are to be renewed in the spirit of our mind is this, that we must examine the realities of our life in light of the truths of God's Word. We examine the realities of our life in light of the truths of God's Word. And so as we're going through a particular experience and as our mind contemplates this experience, this means that we evaluate this experience not simply according to what the desires of our natural heart and mind would be, but we are to evaluate this experience according to the light that is found in God's Word. We are renewed in the mind. That means then, that if one is tempted with the lusts of the flesh, to be sure that is appealing unto the flesh, but we have to think according to that new mind. And the Word of God teaches that fulfilling the lusts of the flesh leads to shame and to hurt and to brokenness. It could be that one experiences a difficult trial in this life, that one is going through time of conflict in home or in the workplace. The child then is called to evaluate that conflict, not just according to the way he naturally feels, but evaluate this trial according to the light of God's Word. The child of the world might go through the exact same conflict but he's going to reach a different conclusion because he does not evaluate it according to the renewed mind. The child of the world goes through conflict 
And he concludes that there's something wrong, that someone is out to hurt him. He concludes that he has the right to hold on to grudges. He has the right to seek revenge to those who hurt him. But as the child of God goes through conflict, and it might even be the same conflict, the child of God with the renewed mind, reaches a different conclusion. He does not become suspicious of those around him. He does not harbor thoughts of bitterness or revenge. But he evaluates his circumstances in light of the Word of God. What does God's Word teach about this circumstance? How is it that the mind is renewed? It's a difficult thing, this work of renewing the mind. It can be difficult to renew most anything in life. Try to renew your driver's license. It's a test of one's patience. Now the calling here is to have your mind renewed. The only way that one's mind can be renewed is by the power of the Word of God. John 8, 32, Jesus taught his disciples, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It says the Christian comes to know, believe, and embrace the truths that are found in God's Word. That more and more that word shapes the mind of that individual so that his thinking and his reasoning are not according to the desires of the flesh, but his thinking and his reasoning is renewed according to the truths that are found in God's word. And then verse 24 instructs us that we are to put on and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Essential students in catechism just a week ago learned about the image of God as it's found in man. They found that there's three parts taught in the scriptures to that image of God in man. Two of these parts are given in this verse. There is righteousness that belongs to the image of God. There is holiness that belongs to the image of God. And then Colossians, which we read, Colossians 3, verse 10, gives the third part of the image of God, which is the knowledge of God. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. We are then, according to this text, to put on the new man, which consists of righteousness and holiness. Righteousness is being in conformity to the law of God. It is to be right. The law determines what is right. Righteousness is not to deviate from that law. Holiness is to be God-centered. Holiness, generally defined as 
consecration unto God and separation from that which is evil. To be holy, then, is not just something that one does on Sundays as he seeks to keep the Sabbath day holy, but holiness is something that the Christian seeks to live out of every day and every moment of his life. Holiness is seeking God, desiring God, being more concerned about God's glory than about the glory of anything else upon this earth. The calling of this text then is put on that new man created in righteousness and holiness. Just as one would put clothing on for the day, and just as one would not even consider for a second not putting clothing on for the day, so the child of God is called, put on clothing, put on the spiritual clothing of righteousness and holiness. And don't consider for one moment not putting this, this, this ornament of righteousness and holiness upon oneself. This is a calling that God gives to you as those who are regenerated children of God. You are to put on this new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Parents can dress their young children physically for the day, but parents cannot put on their children righteousness and holiness. Now we must not argue with the text here and try to change the meaning of this text. The text does not say, pray that somebody else would put this new man on. But the calling of this text is you are to, that you put on the new man. Yes, Jehovah is sovereign over this work of putting on the new man. And certainly the Holy Spirit is the one who makes possible this work of putting on the new man. But you as the regenerated child of God, is the one who is called to put it on. Putting on the new man means that one will stand out from the world. You will not enjoy the support of the world as you put on the new man of Christ. We live in a world that has given itself over unto corrupt and deceitful Lusts. A world which, seek, which seeks to redefine terms. Righteousness, instead of being defined as conformity to the law of God, righteousness is defined as whatever feels right in your heart. Holiness instead of being defined as consecration and devotion unto God, holiness defined by the world is devotion unto yourself first and foremost. We live in a world where self-care 
is the goddess that is worshipped, a world where self-promotion is king. Put on righteousness and holiness as the new man of Jesus Christ, and you will find that you stick out from the world. Verse 32 calls us to be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. As the Christian does this, he will find that his place is very lonely on this earth. But God gives unto us encouragement in putting on this new man, And the encouragement is this, that the new man is created by God. You put on the new man, but you do not make this new man. The new man is created. He is created by God himself. He is created by God through his Son, Jesus Christ. Created through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross where He lived out righteousness and holiness. Where at every step of the way He was in conformity unto the law of God and He was devoted unto His Father above all else. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane as the bloody sweat was pressed out of him as he anticipated the cross and the cup of God's wrath being poured out upon him, Jesus Christ prayed, Nevertheless, not as I will, but thy will be done. Jesus, who lived in perfect submission unto the Father's will, who never once gave in to the temptations of the devil, Jesus Christ, who took upon himself our offenses and the guilt which was due unto us for those offenses by his suffering and by his death upon the cross, gives unto us then the gift of this new creation. He grants unto us the gift of the new man. And this new man that Jesus Christ gives unto us is created after God, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That's an amazing thought here. This means that this new man that Jesus Christ gives unto us is created according to God or after the pattern of God. The new man that Jesus Christ gives unto us by His Holy Spirit is a man that bears a resemblance unto God. That's why it's called the image of God in man. There's a likeness between Jehovah God and the Christian upon this earth. And more and more as the Christian puts on that new man of Jesus Christ, he resembles God in his thinking, in his speech, in his desire as he goes through his pilgrimage upon this earth. As the new man is given, or as the child of God is given this new man, he is given a life which is fit 
for heaven. It's after God, according to God, that we receive this new man. And so we walk, not according to the former conversation spoken of in the 22nd verse, but we walk as those who are renewed in the spirit of the mind that ye put off concerning the former conversation. Former conversation means your previous behavior. How encouraging that must have been for the saints in Ephesus to hear those words from Paul. This old man is concerning your previous behavior, your former conduct. This does not describe you anymore, Ephesians. This no longer characterizes you. This used to characterize you. There was a former conversation, a a previous behavior that you had, which was according to the old man of sin, corrupt, and given over unto the deceitful lusts of the flesh. But this no longer characterizes you. This is the former conversation. And may God, by His Spirit, encourage you, Paul congregation, in the same manner. This was your former conversation, your previous behavior. One was given over unto sins and walked according to the old man of sin. But this no longer characterizes the child of God. That's the former conversation. But now the child of God walks in newness of mind. Yes, imperfectly. Yes, he falls back into sin time and time again and will continue doing so for the rest of his life. But daily, strengthened by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Christian's determination is to walk with a renewed mind putting on the new man, righteousness and holiness. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we confess that the work of salvation is beyond earthly comprehension. We believe that thou art sovereign We believe that thou dost use us as thinking, willing agents. We believe that thou dost give unto us the ability to put on the new man of Jesus Christ. We depend upon thee, Father, to strengthen our will, that thou grant unto us faithfulness and forgive us our sins for Jesus' sake. Amen.